So welcome to another episode, week six of the Tiger Mile Report recap here at TigerMLReport.com. I'm Riley Casillo. My name is Chris Brown. And for some of you, this is, I didn't, I wasn't here Thursday because softball has been, I, I, I keep telling everybody, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call in, but it just, it's bad audio and I don't want to ruin the audio experience. And so I've been doing some videos. I've been, so this is. Nice to catch up. We'll we'll talk a little bit of the Tigers, of course, too, as they did take a game over Seattle and they open up a two-game series, strange two-game series, the Pirates, starting on Tuesday. And plenty to get to, though, too, across the minor league system. Welcome, everybody who's watching us on YouTube. Thank you so much. Stan, good to see you. Alex and Sir Dusty. And we got a chance to go to West Michigan last night. We'll talk about what we saw there. And also, Justin Henry Malloy. Breaks out of a slump in a big way, in a big week. So there's, yeah, there's plenty of that going on. Chris, how was your Sunday? How was your Mother's Day? It was, it was really good. Thank you. We, we went to, we had a brunch with both my mother and my father and my mother-in-law and my wife. And uh, yeah, it was nice. It was, so we hung out for a bunch. Then we came home and relaxed and I watched a bunch of baseball. I watched the Tigers come back and win, which was nice to see after a rough first couple games in the series. And uh, it was, it's on a, on the whole, it was a solid week in the minors too. So we were watching a bunch of games like that and uh, yeah, just a good weekend. I hope, I uh, hope everybody who still has their mother was still able to enjoy Mother's Day. And, and those of us, or those, those of you who do not, were able to remember her in, in, in a way that was calming and happy for you and not a bummer. Yeah. And that's, there was a, we had a, it was great. The, the way I honored my mom was I made chunky beef burritos and her, my mom made a lot of different things, but her. The reason why I did that is because first and foremost, those are pretty simple to make. And, but I really wanted to look at just a giant thing of food. So I had a burrito, but my mother, yeah, my, I think she, she had three signature dishes. She had yellow rice and chicken or arroz con, arroz con pollo, frijoles, black beans and rice. She made it a certain way. It was really good. And she, and then she had, she made that with the shredded Cuban pork. Mm. And then her third dish was spaghetti. Now, I know it sounds like spaghetti seems like a simple thing. For whatever reason, though, I've never had spaghetti like this, nor since. Somehow she made it dry. Like, she made the sauce mixed in there to the mm-hmm. point where I never, I always saw spaghetti on commercials where the sauce was on top of the noodles. But my mom mixed it in there with the noodles already and with mm-hmm. the meat. And my son explain it to me. He's like, yeah, it's dry spaghetti. And I thought about it and it's just, yeah, that's how she did it. And that was her, one of her signature dishes, but literally like, mom's spaghetti. Yeah. Mom's spaghetti. Although yeah, uh, yeah it's not as uh, a cool story as Eminem, but uh, nevertheless. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, she, and she, after a while she got fancier and made it with bread and all that jazz, but uh, anywho, on to the show, but yeah, there, yeah, the, the Tigers win today, come back from behind. That was a really nice win. Especially because Seattle was just mystifying the entire week, and they definitely needed it. They just in terms of just overall, just the offense came to a grinding halt. And one of the things I liked about the series too was they had bat today from Akil Badu getting that double. Zach McKenzie starting things off, and he continues to do well. Then there was there was a headline in MLB Nick <laughs> Maton was yeah and then it's just like you're like look at the numbers but then stuff going on in toledo you're like okay the the justin henry malloy call him up banter if you will was quiet until this weekend and by the way oh forget 
I want to thank everybody who donated to the GoFundMe too. So thank you again for everybody who did that and anybody who's joined the Patreon. And of course, if you want to participate in our Super Chats, exquisite. You can go ahead and do But uh, yeah, because yesterday, I mean, you made that trip possible to do West Michigan. But yeah, Justin Henry Malloy this week decided to break out of a slump and just went ham crazy, Chris. And let's go start with the stats here. Nine for 22. And he wasn't the best in the system. We'll get to who was the best in the system. Yeah. Justin Amber Malloy, nine for 22, three home runs and six RBIs and batted a pretty impressive slash line. And Stan, he has a knee injury, by the way, just as it had Brian Kreidler. Yeah. He was inquiring of who had a knee, what was going on Kreidler. As far as we know, though, I think it's just like a knee bruise. It's not like a torn ligament or anything yeah. like that. It's, it's, yeah, but it sounds like it was pretty bad. If he's never heard much from him in a while, so. Yeah, we haven't, in terms of even from an update standpoint, too, they haven't, no one down in Detroit has said anything, so it's been pretty quiet down there when it comes to that. But, no, Justin Henry Malloy, as soon as he hit that home run today, and I was looking at what Nick McTown was doing, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. And you knew it was going to, the call-up chance going to get louder and louder and louder. And after teams figured out Malloy, and look, and I will say this, the one the Cubs, the Iowa Cubs had some really good pitchers. I, I, there were some, oh man, I think it was, I want to say Thursday or Friday, they took a, guy, took a guy on, I think it was, yeah, maybe it was Friday when they got blown out 10 to 2, or maybe, it, I can't remember exactly what it was, I'm trying to find his name, but the guy who came in with ERA of 0.95 or something like that, just Brown, Brown, he's the same as you. Ben Brown, Ben yeah, Brown. Ben Brown. Uh, yeah. yeah, he came to them and uh, traded with the Phillies last year. And yeah, he was throwing mid to upper nineties all game with a, a couple nasty hooks. Yeah, they, they 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 have some interesting arms down there, and that was the thing. Like today's game was Kyle Hendricks. He says, and so was Mondays, I believe, right or Tuesdays, I should say. Yeah, and Hendricks, um, his velocity's down by the way. He was at eighty six, eighty seven a whole game too. He wasn't really throwing really hard. He's always been like I don't I, I don't know the last time he like sat around ninety. He's always been that super rare like plus plus control command righty who doesn't throw very hard. He's got to change up, but yeah, Malloy got him for the home run today. I don't know if he got him on Tuesday as well. I don't think so, but yeah, they got to him a little bit, and the pitching stepped up a little bit today. It, it was and the Mudhens were on a nine-game losing streak. They lost the first game to the or four games of this series. It was brutal, and they finally came back to win the last two, which helps you salvage a little bit of the credibility. But they went from they were, I think, nineteen and eight. They're now twenty and eighteen or something like that. Or yeah, it's, it was it's. Oof. And there was that home run on a seventy nine mile an hour, something that didn't do anything, didn't break or do anything, just sat there and spin up there. But yeah, there is. He he definitely had a good week, and and one of the things too that stood out to me was in terms of speaking of had a good week, was Oster Bergner. He had he just appeared one game, came in and struck out eight, which is. Highly unusual, maybe again because the Cubs haven't seen him before. But eight strikeouts, Bergner's not a strikeout pitcher by no stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it was interesting. So they brought him, they just set him up from Erie. He, he made it up to Toledo at the end of last year, and then he started back in Erie this year. And he struggled in Toledo a ton. And he came up and he came out of the bullpen. And I, I want to say he struck out five of the first six batters he faced. And it was, it's, it's 89 to 91 with his fastball. But his curveball, his slider, and his changeup were all just absolutely giving Cubs hitters fits. They couldn't handle any of them. It was hilarious. I, I've, I was cutting it up just because it's kind of fun to watch. But yeah, it was that was a promising thing. We 
there was a period last year we was doing that stuff in the area. We thought, hey, this guy might have something. But yeah, you just it, it's so hard when you're not throwing, when you're barely cracking 90 miles an hour, which has always just been a little bit mystifying because that's not who he was in, in college. But the secondary stuff is, is there. It's legit. And he had all three of his secondary pitches working, and that's why he was getting so many swings. He must have had 15 swings and misses in the four innings, maybe more. It was wild. So that was good to see. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a two, two start week for Reese Olsen. It's just more of the same with him. He actually did pitch better today, but it still was what, how many innings did he pitch? Eight innings this week? Yeah. Still in that effect. So eight, eight innings and two starts. And it was, yeah, 12 hits, five earned runs, eight walks and seven strikeouts. It's, it's, yeah, it's not really working for him as a starter. I, I think you, you keep getting him in the innings because he needs the innings, but. We, I think we all know this is headed to the bullpen eventually. Yeah, there's one of the things too about Brunner is that we saw him start, like we mentioned earlier, he start, but like his numbers on the surface, outside of having one bad appearance against Bowie, he's been in. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I think that back, he had the second appearance against Portland where he'll walk five, 20 strikeout, 29 strikeouts in 22 innings of work. The walks is where he didn't. I don't remember him walking as much as he did last year. So maybe it's just like a touch and feel kind of thing. So getting back to the Tigers for a moment, as my wife is hysterically laughing, you do realize everyone can hear you, right? I should close the door. Was it Instagram? What's going on? She has TikTok. She's uh, that's her, that's her thing. TikTok. But um, no. So getting back to the Tigers real quick, because there was a couple questions on how long scope is on this team. And I think that's a legitimate question to the point where we just can't ignore it anymore. Probably by the end of the month, I would just assume, based off his numbers. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, too, was Saturday's start by Alex Faedo, who I wrote an article about him last week on the minor league site because he was looking at some of the numbers a little bit in his swing and miss stuff, which was has been there. And he started figuring things out towards the end of his time in Toledo, and he came up and had a quality start. He, he pitched really good on Saturday and gave the Tigers exactly what they needed. I think he had the best start of the weekend too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, Boyd was was awful, and and so was Wentz. Didn't get out of the third inning, right? Yeah, he, no, he, yeah, yeah. And and the other thing too about the weekend too that I wanted to talk about because I wasn't here on Thursday. Before we get back into Toledo, I wanted to ask a question about the Spencer Turnbull situation because that whole thing. So, being in the clubhouse, I admittedly have not been down a game in about a couple of weeks just because of personal stuff that's going on, but. I'm going to get down there for the Pirates series and not miss a series for the rest of the year. So that's my goal. Um, one of the things about Turnbull is, is that he talks to the media, says his thing, and he's kind of quiet and does does his thing, whatever. And, oh, thank you, Stan. Exquisite. That ball is gone. Such a all time. Stan. Stan. Thank you, Stan. But, yeah, there's a... I think that one of the things about this whole situation is that it wasn't people were saying it's a manipulation of service time or anything. I think personally, he was basically got sent down to Toledo. And as Jason Beck pointed out, I believe on Twitter, that the injury started when he got that, he almost got that comeback or a stinger, if you will, against Boston. And then he went out and hired Scott Boris. Now, People are just like, well, he's going to try to get us all as much money as he can. Of course, that's what he's going to do. He is 30, which is strange to think that I keep thinking like he's younger, but he's not. I know he's not, but 
That whole situation was bizarre, Chris. I, I just think that it was a sense of pride, perhaps a little bit of mismanagement by the Tigers. I don't know. I just know enough to know that it was just the whole situation just seemed awkward. Yeah, it, it's, it's the timing of strip money fishing to him changing agents and, and getting an IL stint instead of a trip to the minors. But it does sound like it, it was a, at least, <laughs> at least they found a specialist who would confirm that, yes, his neck is hurt. But yeah, I think professional athletes are competitors. They certainly don't want to get set down. I was just going to say, maybe that's part of, we talked about it before, part of what's going on with some of these guys in Erie who were in Erie all last year, or even made it up to Toledo, like Bergner, and then are back down until Erie to start the year. It's got to be tough to deal with that when you've gotten so close and then they now you're taking a step back. But yeah, I think it, it Turnbull, I don't think the Tigers cared one bit about his service time. I don't think they're trying to manipulate his service time. It just so happens that if by sending him down, it would have affected his service time. And I think it's, it's his right to protest that and not want to lose that because you're talking about million, potentially millions of dollars. We've seen Turnbull when he's at his best is a pretty good big league pitcher. He's just rarely been at his best. It was basically like a handful of starts there in 2021. So I, yeah, they wanted him down. I, Harris said they wanted him to go down and work, work on some stuff. And the major leagues, he said, big league baseball or major leagues, is not a good place to work on things. And so they, they figured out a way to make it so he'll, he'll get his three or four rehab starts in that he was going to get anyway. But now it's, now it's as a rehab outing, so it doesn't affect his service time and they can hopefully get things worked out and get him back up in the rotation. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think basically he was probably blindsided by it. And that's what led to everything else that happened. He probably was complaining and all that stuff. And then finally admitted that, Hey, my neck hurts a little bit. Maybe that's why Boris came out and said, yeah, it's, you can tell he's hurt. He doesn't give up home runs. That is true. He, he's only given up two home runs in a game once before, but that might also be just convenient. But I think it's more of a, that's more convenient because I think that if you look at Turnbull's stuff, a lot of his stuff has been middle zone. It hasn't had the same, the slider at times, it started getting better in the last couple of starts, but overall, I think he, he was still figuring things out. After surgery, it's going to take some time, of course. And so I wasn't expecting Turnbull to be perhaps what he was until probably middle of this month towards the end of beginning of June. But the last couple of starts have been, it's been bad. And I, when he went down to Lula, I wasn't surprised. I was actually somewhat surprised because, again, we're not used to the team just going, you're gone and being so quick about it. And no, and, and Connor's right. There's guys who like you were saying in the chat, one of those things that a player thinks he can play through. Scherzer has been dealing with neck issues for years now. And yeah, well, because Stan was saying Turbo, in effect, lied to the Tigers about his injury, putting himself over the team. That, that's, that's not him. Like I care about my, that's, these are competitors. They want to play. They want to they these guys and just think of any man who doesn't want to go to the doctor. Like I know I'm fine. I'll, I'll, I'll got it, got it out. I'm good. It's, it's like that. And uh, I don't think, I, I mean, he clearly has service time on his mind, but, uh, but I don't think he was like, Hey, you know, screw the team. I need to get my innings. And in. I think it was like, I, I, I'm good. I belong up here. You shouldn't send me down. But yeah, it's, it, like you're saying, Connor was saying, yeah, that players do this all the time. Players play through, they play hurt all the time. And it's in, that's the thing. Like, I bet you 20 of the guys in the Tigers right now could, could legitimately go on the injured list with something. Like, oh, I got a deep thigh bruise. AJ Hinch could probably go on the injured list. So the other day, he looked like he had a big old raspberry on his forehead. We couldn't figure out what <laughs> That's baseball. You're playing with sticks and balls. And 
diverting it, right? With all, all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a strange situation, but I don't know. People are like, "Hey, is Tim Turbo ever going to pitch for the Tigers again?" Like, I, I think so. I think it's in both parties' interests for him to come up and pitch well with the Tigers, and then perhaps if he does that around the trade deadline, maybe they can work something out. But I don't think if you trade him now, you're not you're going to get pennies on the dollar basically for what it could potentially be worth if he's at his best. But I don't know. Yeah, speaking of his best too, there's some. I'm not sure if anybody's seen what Connor was talking about. So I put it in our YouTube chat here and I'll, I'll link it on the episode description too. So during Evan Pitt's old uh, brief asked Connor or Akiba, Connor, Akiba do a question about what was his mindset like when he hit that double. And yeah, what, what was, what was going through your head when you hit that double? And he's like, next question. And it just gave him a weird look. And it's a, it's a question that, Evan asks all the time too. He it's a it's a common thing they hear in there all the time, and oh, it was weird. It's an open ended question. It's it's a nothing question, right? It, it, you want him to say, wanted to want him to say, oh man, I was looking for this and I hit it there, and I was thinking maybe I should go to second. And you just want to get a little quote, and it's it's easier than saying you don't want to say a yes or no question, because then you'll get a yes or no. But the media around these guys every day, for the most part, and not everybody always gets along all the time. Or somebody might say something or do something uh, or be near somebody who says something and uh, you might have a little friction there. It happens all the time between media and athletes. I, I remember I, I've interviewed Kristen Stewart a couple of times long ago in the minors. And I think at one point I tweeted out that he was a bad defender. And Kristen Stewart is one of the few people on Twitter who has blocked me. And I could never figure out why. And there's, oh, I probably, probably because I said he was a bad defender and he doesn't want to deal with it. And that's his right. I don't know. It, it adds a little intrigue, but I don't think it really means anything. It's just, it, I think it's just maybe just, it's where, and we're not, I mean, obviously we can't play the audio of it because I can't play the audio through here, but look at, it's just, it looks at him like, yeah, you know, so, next, <laughs> like, question. Yeah, next question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's much of anything. It's just, like I said, those guys deal with a lot of that anyway. And, and Evan's a good reporter. So I, it's just, it was one of those things where, I, I, I'd be shocked if Evan after if they didn't talk about it or maybe maybe not today, but at some point they'll figure it yeah. out. I remember a long time ago, I remember Lynn Henning just went off on David Price on Twitter. And it was it was something about I don't remember what it was. It was David Price like coming out of a game early or something, and Lynn went off on him. And then Lynn Price talked to him, they talked to each other and Lynn apologized too. It was like it was sometimes you just have interactions that aren't always pleasant. We used to see videos of those all the time. Remember Lou Pinella and Rob Dibble and, and it was a Hal McRae throwing their phone across the, the, the coaches or the manager's room. It, oh yeah. I remember that. That was like what? 92, 93, something like that. I remember that. Yeah. That was. And, yeah, I think there's video of, of like the whole A's trying to fight the reporter or something. It, it's, it happens. Yeah. No. And again, it is what it, it is, what it is. I just, maybe the, the, so far when it comes to questions down there, I'll be honest. I've asked a few because I am still overwhelmed, but still nerve wracking because I'm trying to think of, you got to be real quick with those questions. And majority of the time, I think of, by the time I think of something, it's usually people have already said what they, I want to say. Or it usually with Hinch, so it's usually for me, it's thinking of an analytical question. For example, I asked Mason Englert once about him throwing his changeup more versus his slider. But I always, I, I don't know how I, it's so weird. Sometimes I just go, do you like I sound like Chris Frog? Do you remember the time? Like I, I'm still 
don't know. I got to find a way to relax a little more because I'm, and I, I don't know. I'll, I'll get better about it. But with the minor leaguers, I don't have that problem. Minor leaguers, I'm comfortable with. It's just, I don't want yeah, well, I, I think it's different too because a lot of times we don't necessarily, and it, and it was different for you for a while because you did have to write or do kind of game recap type, type thing. A lot of times they're just looking for a quote or two from a guy, a guy that they could put in their gamer, the quote, and then they complete it. It's it's the interviews before the games and before batting practice and stuff like that where we just like to talk to guys about what they're thinking, why they're doing what they're doing, and yeah. sort of like, how did you feel about this event in this game? I, I don't game game to game stuff doesn't really matter to me that much. Maybe yeah. will we talked about this before? If the Tigers start winning a ton, we might even do shows every day. Or right. if they if it got to the point where hey, we need to discuss the four or five things that happened in this game, then maybe, yeah, that matters. But to me, it's more about like the process, these guys getting better and, and stuff like that. So it, it, yeah, when you're in a post-game scrum or whatever, you're like, I was winning or how that, how, how that loss feel. Oh, you know what? It was great. I, you know, it's, I know there's not a, not a lot you can learn from those sessions. I don't think unless you get like the great, like channel park. Yeah. I had a, I had a lot of diarrhea. That's a good one. No, and even one thing I find interesting about living the minors is when when you ask somebody like, for example, we ask Roberto like compost or something like that, just a question about environment too, because it, this is all for them. Sometimes it's a brand new environment for major leaders. This is just an everyday occurrence. And but I, like I said, I'm getting there. It's just going to take some time. But overall, that was again that maybe at that point. I do want to take a shower and just want to get it over with. Who knows? I don't know. And it's not that it's not that big of a deal to me, but took a big leg detour. Yeah. And 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 I was I think it was Cameron Cameron on Twitter said something like you would ask a better question. And you're right. You would probably like why he like the question that I think his reply was something along the lines of you would have phrased it like this. Let me see here. Cameron said, I would ask, you've been hitting the you've been hitting a lot opposite field double to the left fielder's heads is that something you're planning to do or are you taking what's given to you in that situation and he says it's basically the same question but it allows Bob you to give a non-generic answer if he wants and he's right i like the way you phrase it yeah it's always tough because you're just when you're in there you're trying to come up with a question sometimes on the spot sometimes you have things you want to ask and somebody else asks it and you're like but one of the things i i find myself doing and it would be like he did in that one is is where you almost answer it for them so is that something you're planning to do or, or was it just this? And they'll just go, yeah, it was just that. And you go, shit. I should have said that. Oh yeah. No, but, yeah, no. Yeah. If they, if they can find a way to easy question, yeah. answer the question easier, they will. Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. You're interviewing me and I'm like, you know, big tower. Yeah. Yeah. But spread, yeah. Spread's no waiting for nobody, man. You got to get there and yeah. get that food quick. All right, so getting back into Leo, like I said, just, and then Corey Joyce had a really good week too, five for twelve, hitting nice for four seventeen, and he had a, I believe, a home run too. But it was just the, yeah, three extra base hits, I think. Yeah, and considering four, he didn't really four extra base hits, four four extra base hits. Okay, he didn't really do much in Toledo, or excuse me, Erie. So again, it's one of those things where maybe the right time, right place against a team like I again, I was. Got some pretty good pitching prospects too, like we mentioned earlier. But good on Joyce to come up there. Yeah, he had a very brief stint with Toledo last year too, and went absolutely nuts with Toledo last year. I'm, I'm looking seven game. He went ten for sixteen. 
with two homers, five walks, and, and, and three strikeouts. And then this time he's but nine games, and he's eight for twenty-five, with five walks, and two homers, two triples, a double. Yeah, something about AAA seems to suit him. Maybe it's better lighting. But uh, yeah, it was that was good to see. It was a little production there. It's it's they were sliding partially because nobody was really hitting, and Malloy came back to start hitting this week, and Nevin did a good job, and Joyce was doing well. But you're still still seeing a lot of struggles from Parker Meadows and Andre Lipsius, which is, and Meadows was like four for 22. Lipsius was like two for 22. Yeah, he was under, um, he was under 100, yeah. His, his swing is all messed up right now, which is unfortunate. He started to strike out, he struck out seven times to two walks. So maybe let's get that figured out. And with Meadows, it's, it, it feels like he's playing well. He hits the ball hard. It just, you know, he faced a tough lefty today and struck out on three pitches. And it's just, it's not quite there yet for him. The, all of the calls for calling him up, aren't terribly loud right now. It's it's back to Malloy. And yeah, it may not be, we touched on it briefly, may not be a whole lot while longer for, for, for Scope gets DFA'd. They could also send Maton down, but they're going to need to add a spot on the 40-man. So if they were just going to cut Scope, that would make things easier. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, it does feel like a beginning of June type of move. Yeah, because at that point, maybe it's, contract related to those like little specifics about the contract or when he can waive but as joyce win and saying asked in our chat did joyce win some sort of 20 award in 2022 i don't he didn't not that i know of i know he didn't yeah. win the i think who was the offensive player last year it was carrie oh, carpenter wasn't it yeah, it was carpenter yeah and then it was was flores the pitcher of the year yeah Flor- yeah Flor- yeah flores was yeah, so unless they give out like organizational gold gloves, which I don't think they do, maybe I I don't know. Maybe one something. I, I just I'm not aware of it right now. Yeah, Olson. I know Olson won the Rawlings Gold Glove Award. For yeah, pitcher for defense. All right, so we're getting the eerie. We set up an eerie Yaya Shintuf the development development list, which I thought was interesting. Oh, before I forgot, or before I forget, I wanted to go back for a second. I was there when Castro left the game early mm. and he hasn't, he hadn't pitched since. And so this, he, something got tweaked. And so to see him on the IL was a little bit of the delay, but yeah, there were the, he did not look good. He, he pitched, I think it was like the two or three, maybe, maybe it was a batter that I don't remember, but I was there with Mike Tiger, Mike mm. over on Twitter and that was the game he had to leave early. So. Yeah, they, they brought in three new pitchers last week. You mentioned Clay, there was Braden Bristow, and there was also Keith Embry. Yeah. None of them did anything really to stand out, but they're they're not they're not being shy about adding players at every level, basically. They feel like they need help. Yeah, and, and they added another pitcher too, Tim Daunton. So he was another pitcher they added to and he went down the Erie. But overall, like I mentioned, Michael Beeline went back to West Michigan. He was an organizational stop all-star in 2022. Wow. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know that they made their own all-star team. Yeah. I did not know that. That's good. That's good. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good pull there, Stan. Yeah. And, but you're in a good week. They went five and one. They only lost today to Richmond and they go back over 500. They're actually in first. They were in first place. And it's them in Richmond, essentially for first place in the Eastern league Southwest. Again, I still think that's a stupid name and I'll say (laughs) it again. But in terms of who's had a really good week, Winsdale Price had his 11-game hitting streak snap yesterday. Kind of slowed down this week, but still, nevertheless, the bat was still out there. Grant Witherspoon, 6 for 21, 
with a double and three triples. Ben Malgeri, four doubles. All his hit, four of his five hits were doubles. Nice 385 batting average. Brad Erdler continues to pitch well. Five innings, three hits, one one on seven strikeouts. Former Flores, I thought, had a good start too. Five innings, four hits, one run on three strikeouts. And Ty Madden getting back in the swing of things a little bit. Somebody DM me about how, damn, dude, I didn't know his curveball was that good. Yes, it is. And so he had a good week, five innings, three runs, excuse me, three hits, one run, six strikeouts. And as far as the bullpen goes, you know who had a good week? Dario Gardea? Yeah. Oh, Billy Lester? Yeah. Yeah. And Alex asked a question, who do you guys see getting promoted to AAA first, Dinkler or Perez? I think they're going to, it depends on position needs. So I think if, if Malloy gets called up, it depends if Malloy gets called up or not, because then it, what they could do is put, you could put or Andre Lipsius at third if you wanted to, and then Perez at second and have Perez DH. But right now, I think because Toledo's got three, I think they got three catchers right now. I don't think they have Perparski, Knapp, and what else am I thinking of? Maybe, I'm, maybe they only have two. They're Donnie Sands. Donnie Sands, thank you. Yeah, Donnie Sands. So yeah, I think it would be Perez, I think it would be Perez over Dingler first. Dingler right now is getting back in the swing of things a little bit, but Perez is. I think he was going to start the season in Toledo anyway before his injury. A couple things. I, I so Perez went. What did he? He had a, a decent week. Where did he go? I'm looking four for twenty one, four walks. He had five steals this week. Um, and this is one hundred percent reckless speculation on my part, but I think his back is still bothering him. Well, from watching him play. He was, he's like limping around when he was running, trying to beat out a double play. He was just not necessarily, he stole five bases. So I don't think he's hurt, but I, I just feel like he's not 100% right because he's also not hitting for a ton of power lately. He wasn't a, a, ever a huge power guy until last year when he, he showed surprising pop. But it's just, he it hasn't been there right now. And so I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's just something he's going to have to deal with forever. And Dingler, he had, came up with a couple of big hits, but he went right back to, what we've seen, it's the same old song. So, yeah, that super hot week. And this week, four for 19 with a homer, one walk, seven strikeouts. That's just what we've seen from him over the last couple of years. He goes on these strikeout benches, and it's, uh, I don't know, I think that's just always going to be part of his game. We might not see either of them get called up to Toledo. Honestly, I think Rod's right. It's, it's, it's a matter of position if they need somebody up there. Because I don't, I think Scott Harris wants to develop that depth where if they had to grab a guy for the Tigers, they can grab him from Toledo or Erie. I think he wants that level of, of depth in the system. So, yeah, I, I don't think they're moving anytime soon. But if they do, I think Stan said, when is it traditional for players to move up from AA to AAA? It's usually, most most promotions happen around the middle of the season. It used to coincide nicely with the draft, where yeah. the draft would be in early June, and they draft a handful of guys, and guys had done two, three months at one level, and it, it looked like they belonged in the next step, and they would go up. And now it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's really just depends on need. What we saw last year, I remember they moved Parker Meadows up after two hot weeks. It was really just one hot weekend and they moved him up. It took him a while to, to get it going, but then other guys, you know, they move up in August. Yeah. We're, Wilmer Flores was moved after what, 17 innings of work. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was, he was dominant and he was not, he was not being challenged. And there's, there's a player in, in, well, we can talk about that in the next team, but it's a different kind of a different story, but yeah, I know it was, a, it was a fun, fun week for Erie. If they, they blew out Richmond in their first game, 
And then the next game was the one nothing win, I think, where Dingler came up with a big RBI hit in the eighth inning. But something that Greg, Greg Gingas said on the broadcast, he said, strange things happen to Erie when they're in Richmond, and strange things happen to Richmond when they're in Erie. And it does seem to be true. He would know better than anybody. He's been, been calling their games for, for a long time. So that third game, they went into the ninth inning. They were down, I think, 5-4, and it didn't look good. They, they, I think Dingler Trez struck out very quickly, like seven pitches total. And then Grant Witherspoon hit this harmless ground ball at first base, but Richmond's first baseman just completely booted it. It's like, whoops. And then there was a wild pitch, so Witherspoon got the second. And then Gage Workman hit a double, tied the game, and then Daniel Cabrera hit a single to walk him off. And it was it was kind of wild. And then that, that kicked off what ended up being a five-game winning streak that was, yeah, really one of the better weeks of the season. And a lot of it, I think, and, and Raji touched on it, was their pitching finally started to look like what we expected it to this year, at least in terms of results. Yeah, they in by the way, the answer to Stan's question on YouTube, Cole Cube is this week did not have a good week. He was he bat he went told he went for two for two for fourteen, and he batted a nice robust one forty three. In terms of strikeout wise, he struck out five times into two walks. But no, you're you getting back to the pitching. You're absolutely correct, Chris. The, the pitching this week turn back to form a little bit, which they definitely needed because the bullpen, as we've talked about numerous times, has been absolutely been waxed in terms of innings used and and they needed some really start good starting pitchers and or starting pitching performances rather. And Madden has like I said, Madden's been hit and miss, but the last couple of starts I feel like he's get back to what that first start was against Akron where he just looked dominant. And the only one that has been consistent is Hurdler. In in even I know that we're looking at Montero's numbers this week, eight innings, 14 hits, five earned runs, but 12 strikeouts, two walks. And so to me, even take the way somebody mentioned this, there's a YouTube comment about some of the potential with Montero there. I think there's still a lot of potential there. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of ignore those numbers and go, all right, this is a guy who's only pitched what three starts in, in double a, and he's still, but he's still racking up the strikeouts. So I, that slider, I saw it was a it was a pitch earlier in the week where he just had the sliders just one pitch against the lefty and it just dip, disappeared off the face of the planet. Yeah, it's yeah. His first start of the week, I think you clipped that one up on Tuesday, was his his home debut and it was it was really pretty good. And today he was good for a few innings, and then got hit pretty hard or, or gave up some run. And it's just he's a guy we talked about before. He's learning how to pitch. And sometimes he just finds way too much of the zone. Sometimes his, his breaking ball will just land right in the heart of the zone. Sometimes he'll throw a fastball right down the middle when, when guys are ready for it. And it's, he just needs to, to fix his command slightly. And I think he's going to have a, some growing pains in double A this year, but I think he'll be fine down the road. There's still some reliever risk there. There's, there's, with a lot of these guys, it's, it's something their delivery isn't picture perfect and he's not the biggest dude, but. There's a lot to like there with Montero. And so he's, he's been a good addition. But yeah, so Flores and Madden both had good starts. Sorry, Long of them, was missing. Yeah, Sawyer Gibson Long with five innings and two earned runs. I, they're, they're capping guys now at five innings. They were four, now they're at five. I don't know if they're going to let him go six next month or what. But so yeah, he's, he's you know, turn, turn along as an innings eater, eater as, as much as you can be. But yeah, Flores still, he's pitching better. He did. According to the broadcast, touched 97 the other day, which is something we haven't seen yet this year, really. But it's just, it's not as electric 
as he was last year at times. And so it's hard to figure out what's going on there. He seems, his delivery seems a little less in sync at times. He's spinning off even more. He was never a picture-perfect finish or anything like that. But uh, yeah, he's still a work in progress. Madden, like you said, Madden's getting better. Still, we still haven't seen him get back to that, that just looked filthy in his first start. But he's been good. And he, he's showing flashes of a lot of good stuff. This is what we expected from these guys. That it was going to be a strong rotation. And they were going to help lead the, um, to win or keep them in a lot of games. And this week what happened was they just got about everybody. We, we mentioned Colt Keith wasn't great, but you've got up there. Grant Weatherspoon had a good week. Trey Rodriguez. Trey Crowsell's I really week too. Yeah. I, he only had a couple hits, but he walked eight times, seven, eight times. And, and so he was on base all the time. He did it home run, I think. So, yeah, they just got, not everybody hit. I think Jake Holton didn't do much of anything and Workman didn't play a ton, but they got enough contributions from enough different guys that they were able to win five games. So it was, it was big for him. So we did get a question on Twitter. Why is Workman playing sporadically? And the only thing we can tell you is that it's based off, they're just scheduling it that way. And there's nothing more about it we could really talk about, but essentially they're just trying to see what else everybody else can do. In other words, getting to it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah there, there are, there's a new GM in the Tiger system, a new president. Bingo. And, and so sometimes new presidents want to see things happen. And that's about as specific as we'll get right now. And I'm sure six months will tell you everything. <laughs> you know, but yeah, they're just, uh, it was a good week. I don't know who they play next. You, they uh, play Harrisburg. Yeah, it's right up, right up there. Right. Put it right there. But always, I can't read or look oh, things. Oh, I can't read. <laughs> yeah, they're they're at Harrisburg next week. By the way, Toledo is going to be on the road again. They're going to be in Omaha next week, so they continue their somewhere in Middle America. Yeah, they're going to do yeah the Heart of America tour in the middle of <laughs> go to two of the most boring estates in the Union, perhaps. I'm, I, Somebody's, somebody out there is going to tell me that Nebraska is really cool, but I don't think so. Somebody's going to say, maybe they will. I don't know. But I, I hear there's a good steak out there, right? Is there? I don't know. They always talk about a lot of steaks. I don't know. Oh, is that, is that it's a company where they mail steaks? Yeah. I assume yeah. they're based out of, maybe not. Maybe yeah. it's one of those New York City salsa things. But <laughs> New York City. All right. We're getting way too sidetracked. Okay. <laughs> let's get back in. That's our ADHD kicking it. And here. Okay. So. In terms of transactions this week, not much going on in West Michigan, but the the, the justice for all, Justin Bigby, 13 for 21, two home runs, nine RBIs, and this guy should be the one. This guy will probably win the Midwest Player of the Week. Batted a yeah. cool 619, 680. Slugging percentage was ridiculous. Yeah, I would be shocked if it's anybody other than the Justice Bigby. Honestly, I didn't look see who else did anything but you got 13 hits you got you said two hours it was also four doubles was it yeah four doubles yeah yeah four doubles four walks four strikeouts we we saw him on saturday night he did hit a breaking ball about 400 feet to center field that was caught but he's been i've been watching him a little bit more closely they drafted him as a first baseman out of i want to say western carolina something yeah. like in the 19th round no, like a 19th rounder and you know, he's a little bit older. He's 24, I think, in high A, so you don't make much of that. But he's really just been socking the ball in a lot of really hard contact the opposite field. Today's home run, I think, was uh, 
left center. So he pulled it a little bit, but yeah, he looks like a guy who doesn't belong at high anymore. This is the kind of performance from guys when they're ready to move up. The problem is he's not, he's not a priority prospect. He's a 19th rounder. So they're not, it's not going to be a Parker Meadows situation where he had a hot week and they're going to send him up because they want to see what he has. And there's not just, there's really not room in Erie right now. You know, they were dying for an outfielder earlier in the year. And then the Ben Malgeri was the one who got called up. And so I don't know what they're going to do with Justice Bigby. They might just let him tucker himself out with all these hard hits and, and come back to earth. But he has, it, I don't see particularly like a future big leaguer there. But then again, I didn't really see that with Kerry Carpenter. And what he did was he kept hitting until you couldn't ignore him anymore. So it would be cool if Justice Bigby got a chance to go up to double A and, and hit some more. And, and I honestly think he actually is a little bit more defensively versatile than, than Kerry Carpenter was because he can play first base. Yeah, it would be interesting if he got called up, but, but we'll see what happens. But I do think you're right. He's, he's almost certainly going to be the, the West League hitter of the week. So I want to talk about yesterday what we've seen a little bit. There was a couple things that we, first and foremost, shout out to Tony Paul of the Detroit News. We had a chance to sit down and talk to him yesterday. It was the first time. We, usually I see him in the press box when we get a chance to talk, but it was good to talk to him. We're talking about prospects, and it was funny. He was he was there to interview Chase Young, and then he was like, "Her Roberto Campos is pretty shaky on the outfield." We're like, "Oh no, he's good. He's he's solid." And then he goes out there, and, and West it Michigan, was, they, they two players collide at one point yesterday. We should, yeah, we should just talk about that game in, in terms of. Now we love going to every any minor league game. It yeah. doesn't matter. We see people. Oh. It was great. What, what's up, Reds are oh, promoting yeah. that McLean. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good news. He's been hitting the cover off the ball with them in Louisville, I think. But yeah, it, it, that was one of the worst kind of, in terms of getting good looks at guys or seeing stuff, one of the worst worst games I've been to for Whitecaps. They lost 6 nothing. It were, it was, defensively, it was like that Tigers game versus the Cardinals where they just decided to make four errors in one inning. Remember? Yeah. Uh, it was, so yeah, we, we, we saw Tony Paul and it was nice to talk to him and, and uh, he's out there. I would expect to see some articles about West Virginia guys sent from him, so make sure you read those. And, and yeah, he was like, yeah, I heard that Campos is, is a, a butcher in the outfield. And I was like, no, it's been great. Two innings, three misplays. It was, the first one was bizarre. He was like, he, he could have caught a ball, but ran like 20 feet in front of it. <laughs> I was just going to ask, was that? Yeah. It was like, he was sprinting to center field. We don't know if he lost it in the sun. It was just weird. And it's like, he, it's like he and, they had Austin Murray playing center field, which is unusual. Campos has been playing center field mostly. And it looks like those two have never talked to each other before because, yeah, there was a, another play where they literally ran into each other. And, yeah, it was just, it was ugly. But it wasn't just him. We saw, we also talked about Isaac Pacheco. And, and, and Tony said he had heard that Pacheco is an awesome defender. And, and his big league major league right Yeah, now. Major league ready, yeah. And what did he do with his first two chances? Like, he booted him. And he didn't have a couple of nice plays later. But it was like, yeah, Pacheco play well. I, I like your defense. I, I wouldn't say it's major league ready yet, but yeah. And then we saw Josh Couch, bad throw to second, got center field, and, and it was just it was just an ugly game all around. And it seemed like every time that Erie had a, or, or West Michigan had a chance to score, it was like boom, double play, pop up, strikeout. It just it was an ugly game. Nobody did the, the most notable things we saw. I think Roberto Campos hit a hit a. a a fly out to center field, like a line drive about 402 feet. It was like right to the wall that Junior Perez caught. And then we saw Jace Young hit a really hard foul ball. I think, uh, 109. We, he hit, he hit, they hit that 109. We know that. 109 miles per hour, yes. Which We're was, not going to tell you how we know that, but we know that. Yes. 
I, I raced against it and I beat it. <laughs> That's how we do awesome. it. I, I, I could run 110, and so it was very close. Uh, but even yeah. Soretti, even Soretti, I thought that Soretti, there was a kind of a defensively, there was a couple notes, couple notes I took. First and foremost, I took a lot of the pictures that I'll be posting because I had a nice camera. But Soretti, I was, I came, because I haven't really, I, I usually try to zero in on one or two players that I have not really had a chance to zero in on. And Soretti, that was the first time I've seen Soretti live. Mm. So I wanted to, in terms of, I took some notes and defensively, and Chris and I were talking about this during the game, that at some point maybe he'll move over to second. But overall, I thought he did a really good job of positioning, playing at short, his approach to play too. He had a, he had a hit, and I think it was in the seventh or eighth inning. But overall, I keep really impressed with Danny Soretti as a guy who will probably continue to fly under the radar. I'm not sure what his, his ceiling is but i i'm a fan and fan but i'm i yeah, like this it, game it, a lot yeah it, it, and then sure enough today he gets a tailor-made double play ball hit right to him and boots it this was actually one of his worst weeks i think as a hitter i think he only had like four hits and, and he actually had some rough swings but for the most part i i, I keep comparing him to andre Lipsius because it reminds me of that sort of he's just a very competent infielder and and competent hitter. He puts the bat on the ball. He doesn't swing and miss much. He's, he's aggressive. He doesn't walk a ton, but he walks enough, I think. And he doesn't swing and miss hardly ever. And he hits a lot of bloopers to down the left field line or, or pulls it through the hole between first base and second base. But yeah, normally he's, he's sure-handed, makes quality plays. He and Young had an awesome double play today. I don't know if you saw that. I put it up. Uh, Young made a diving stop behind second base. Lift it. Oh, Soretti I saw that. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it. That's what I'm trying to pull up right now. And then Soretti made a, a jump throw, and it was, yeah, those, those. And we talked about like Jace Young. Jace Young probably hit best week as a pro, I would say. And I haven't gone looked and, and looked at week by week, but you see him eight for twenty two. He had seven walks to two strikeouts, hit a home run, and he is a a quality defender with without a ton of range, but he makes almost every play that he can get to, which is fine. There is a no one of the things too that stood out to me. Uh, there was another one you caught too. The Carlos Mendoza play was really nice too. Yeah, I feel yeah that was the bases loaded and he made a sliding catch and then it, it was a sack fly, but they ended up getting out of that with only one run score. And I think yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you, you, Stan makes good points. It's tough to name only five wide cap players when the team is doing so well and they they're rolling along. It is a it, it's a I think this is a white caps team. Comparatively speaking to last year, where you saw that the Whitecaps, I, I again, I, Brian Payne did some sort of, you know, Santeria or something like that because some mm-hmm. of the magic he did pulled off last year with they were losing guys left and right. And this time, this is a team that's been together pretty much for the most part. But this is the play we're talking about. If you watch this on YouTube, check this out. Boom. Just even like the little, the little toss, like just almost like, ah, the way you threw that. Yeah, it was cool. It was. There was a, it was a really well done. Sometimes you see some big league caliber double play there with Barryan, run, toss. Yeah, yeah. There were other Isaac Pacheco had four hits this week. And he had a home run. I think two doubles and a home run. Still doesn't look quite as as good as he looked at the end of last year. Campos, he's he's a funny player, man. He's just not what I expected, man. He went he hit three hundred this week. Went six for twenty. I didn't have much power this week, but like three walks and two strikeouts or two walks and three strikes. He just makes way more contact than I expected. A lot of it is hard. What do we have here? Is this the Justin Big just double familiar? Yeah. 
yeah, and then he'd a home run later. Yeah, Justice Big B. And, and then uh, we mentioned Campos, we mentioned Young, we mentioned, we mentioned most of the hitters. I, I do like that you picked up Jack O'Loughlin. Yet, yet one of the more bizarre lines you'll see, two starts, there's a 10 at 10 innings, 10 hits, zero runs. Yeah. I think today, today it was like eight hits and zero runs somehow in five innings. I don't know how he pulled that off, but uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> and they, they, it's Jack O'Loughlin, they, they call him. O'Loughlin is easier for me to say, but uh, yeah. And then, and then Carlos Pena continues to pitch pretty well. We saw Garrett Burhan not look very good at all, but he was also not helped by that calamitous defensive inning. Just ridiculous. But he was, I've actually seen him live twice now, both times against Lansing and both times it was the same thing. It's just a sinker that doesn't really miss any bats. And it's, his slider is okay. And, and normally his changeup is pretty good, but he, I don't think he threw many in this game. And then he was out after three innings, I think. They brought yeah. in Bean Line. And then we got to see. Oh, so, got, so Thomas Fernander, by the way, I, I, I want to mention that real quick because so we have a radar gun, right? And, and, I wouldn't think twice of anything that I would have saw on the stadium gun, but on the stadium gun, I had him 92, 93. Our gun had him at 95, 96. And he, I mean, his, he had a slider yesterday. His slider has been like, eh, but it had a little more depth to it. It had a lot more bite yesterday. So I don't know the, the increase in velocity has always been around 93, 94, but I did notice an increase in velocity with the slider. I was just like, holy shit. Yeah, he had a really good inning. I think he yeah, it's like like clean inning or did he pitch two? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, he, he had a clean, had a clean inning. Yeah, there was a couple strikeouts in a row, and it was let's see what why why is Erie the only Tigers minor league team to provide game highlights to their YouTube homepage? I I didn't know they did that. I don't I know why. Yeah, I, I don't know they they don't promote it that much. Actually, I'm standing doing that. I don't know if that's Sam doing that. I don't know if it's Greg doing that. I don't know. Who's I think it's that. I think it's Greg and it's a combination of Greg and Sam. And as far as why, I can tell you this. Simply put. Lack of personnel. That's as simple as that. Like Toledo, usually from my, from when I'm dealing with Toledo the last few years, they usually have some sort of intern from either Bowling Green or University of Toledo nearby, yeah. and they'll take care of all that stuff. They'll do all the social media and all that, but um, it really depends on what the team has in mind. Lakeland, I can tell you this right now, they have, they're, there's nobody down there. Literally, the staff is pretty much bare bones, and so... As far as West Michigan goes, I think there's a production team in place there too. Yeah, Ray, we're hopefully, yeah, hopefully we're going to we're going to be out there this week for Great Lakes because I was just talking about this with Chris yesterday. I really like that field a lot. I don't know that field to me. It's that when you look out from, so I was in the broadcast area last time. You look out that way, and you see all the seating out there with the fire pits and everything. It looks really cool. And then the way they have the interior with where the excuse me where the vending is for the food places, it's just really cool because it's easily slip in and out of the rain and go in there and really good seats overall. So hopefully we'll be out there. I'm hoping they out there Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Saturday because that's a free time. And hopefully we'll get to meet you, Ray. That'd be cool. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's the reason why I stand. There's just lack of personnel, really. That's why we do what we do because people are like people are looking for that kind of stuff and we're trying to provide a service as much as possible because there's a lot to cover you know what's funny is there is a lot i think there's there's a couple like the boston red sox prospect sites uh, unaffiliated ones they have an era of gatekeeping to them they're just like 
oh, and they come, oh, we've been doing this for a while, and you guys are the new guys, or I don't know, like this weird, maybe it's more in my head kind of thing. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. I get too sidetracked again. Yeah, what, what oh, was anybody else? Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, so getting back to the bullpen, that's what we wanted to go into, too. It was the, as far as, in terms of solid pitching performance, again, West Michigan got some good pitching performances that, again, even from a, a standpoint of their bullpen, which has been Jack Anderson, who we've liked, he had a rough week. But as far as their, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. Specifically, was he, where is he, where is he? I lost him again. Gabe Sequeira, who we haven't talked about in a while, had a good week. And the other one was Aaron Haas, just a pair of, you know, just only appeared in one inning, but did two innings, three strikeouts. And this was a little, like I said, it's a complete team effort that Stan alluded to earlier. Christian Totora, Totosa, rather, again, two innings, one, just allowed one one unearned run and two pair of strikeouts, but top down outside of Garrett Burhan, it seems like Lakeland just pitched pretty good. Oh, or excuse me, Lakeland. West Michigan pitched good all week. Yeah, and, they, and they've got some, I think, future big leaguer in the bullpen. Talking about Tyler Madison a little bit before. I think Trevin Michael has, has potential to make the big leagues too. We had, fortunately, Jerry was able to run all the numbers for Lakeland in StatCast, and, and some of these guys have some really interesting spin rates and things like that. So, yeah, I, I think with a little bit more seasoning, we might see some of these guys move up to, to Erie pretty soon to help in that bullpen. But, yeah, it's, it's a really good bullpen there in, in West Michigan. Not necessarily primetime names, but a lot of good arms with Eric Nellis and you mentioned Haas and Anderson. And they just, they just have a, a lot of different guys who can pitch out of that bullpen. Yeah, and right now I, I'm, I'm interested to see how long they will keep this together but I think I think out of all the teams that in terms of pitching that will quote unquote stay together, I think the West Michigan bullpen will more likely stay. Yeah, yeah, and, and and they may right now Erie and West Michigan are both. It's early, right? But but also not because you got about a month I think left in the first half of the season, and and you said Erie I think is a half game back, and West Michigan's one game back, and they're going to play the team they're behind, Great Lakes. So they may keep these guys together just to whoever wins the first half gets an automatic playoff for the end of the season. So if they make the playoffs and and then they'll move guys up. But uh they like they like players to be part of a real kind of pennant chase where you're you're feeling you want the pressure and, and the excitement of actually winning games that matters for to a certain extent, right? Because most of it so much about the minor leagues is like development or like you just see that. Like you have a starting pitcher who's shoving. And he's just out after five innings because that's the rules. That's just the way it is. And it's hard to feel like you're competing for real when that happens. It still feels kind of a little bit like an exhibition. Yeah. And I, I like the way that, so stop it in YouTube says, I like all this info primarily because it keeps expectations in focus. I get tired of all the other sites comparing kids to Hall of Fame players. As it doesn't do justice to the players or the fans. I would agree with you because I think it's ridiculous because it, and they always try to do like yeah, comps. And one of the things that if the great James Chipman, who trained me in evaluating, he never liked the comps. He never liked it. And I don't like them either because I just, quite frankly, it's ridiculous. Why am I going to compare a pitcher to Clayton 
Kershaw as an example, like a lefty because he throws a certain way. I, I don't know. I just think that it's like it's. I, I just feel I feel like a jackass flat out. I feel like a jackass because it's just like, here's what I see and here's what I like and here's what people are saying. Take it, take it, take my either my opinion or you don't. Not necessarily opinion, but here's the facts and here's what I see and this is what I think. So, if, for example, with Andre Lipsius, because they promoted him so hard, and I, because of what I saw, because of his ability to be a solid defender, solid hitter, who would I cop him to? Oh, Lenny Harris? I, 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 I don't, I mean, like, I just don't understand why should that be necessary. Yeah, it just, it, it paints a picture for people sometimes where it, it's, it's hard for maybe somebody to take in, okay, here are his five tools, and here's his plate discipline, and here's his body type, and then there you go. I, I like good cups. I don't like bad cups. That's, uh, that's, it's tough though. They're, they're hard. And I try to make, part of the problem is that to make a proper cup, you usually have to make it to somebody who didn't do anything, right? Or was yeah. like, just hang around for a little bit because most of these guys aren't going to be, like, you don't, you don't compare Colt Keith to like Chipper Jones. You're like, no, he's not going to be a Hall of Fame switch hitting third baseman for 20 years. But, there are certain things you can say. His swing reminds me of this guy's swing, or his, he's got this kind of body type. And when I make a like a full comp, it's usually like Brant Herder, my, my comp to him, is Brian Flynn, former Tigers pitcher who was traded to Florida and pitched in parts of four or five big league seasons, but was never, he didn't have a big, big league career. He was a leaguer, and I think that makes me prospect. People don't get excited about that. They, a lot of people probably don't remember Brian Flynn. Who was it? Somebody, I remember in one of the broadcasts this year, I was comparing I think they were comparing him to Cliff Lee. Who were they? They were comparing somebody to Cliff what? Lee. He was a Miley. I was like, I don't know. But to me, I think that okay, if you're if you are a baseball fan and you're watching somebody pitch or hit, and you watch enough baseball, you can do your comp in your own head. Like for example, I'll like when I did the Roberto Campos when I was doing that story, I looked at his numbers like it sounded familiar to me. So I went back and saw that his numbers were very similar to Cole Keith at West mm-hmm. Michigan last year. Doesn't mean he's Cole Keith. He's a completely different player. But even like sure. just Let's like a statistical comp, yeah, I yeah, mean, the statistical comp. But just even just this, you can say Brent Hiller reminds me of former Padre Yankee Sterling Hitchcock because he's a lefty who like. There's a little ways you could do that, but then again, I'm also making an obscure reference. And for I just think fans and people who watch the game already in their mind will see what they see. So if they see somebody, they're like, "Oh, does that remind me of?" Oh. It can it could be, for example, somebody who's grew up watching the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, that guy looks like Chris Sable to me, or Al Morris. I, I don't is know. Is it because he has goggles on? Is that why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I try not to make reckless cops. Like I said, I, I, I like looking for them because it's fun to find one that's good, but it's most of the time they're not appropriate at all. So, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair to the kid yeah. at all. So, in terms of, there was a lot of injuries at Lakeland. Yeah, Lakeland. So, I mean, we saw that in his last start, it was, I think it was Chris Miller or Chris Williams, who was on the IL to. That's it. Joe's got it. Sorry. Okay. Joe, uh, so, Joey Wentz got compared to Cole Hamels and Cliff Lee. Yeah, that's right. Oh, like... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's the thing. Like, if you say, okay, he's a big lefty, but sure. He's sure. Randy Johnson. He's Randy Johnson. Yeah. Then everybody gets compared to Randy Johnson. For a while, every short guy got compared to Dustin Pedroia. It was like he, he was the weirdest thing. The, the most 
more unique you were, the more other people would get compared to you. Where's my Where's my Mike Hamilton? Mike Hampton references. Mike Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. So you, Chris, you investigate that question and stop it asked. So in terms sure. of Erie, in terms of Lakeland, so Zara Benitez, who's been the hottest hitter that Lakeland's had all season, hit the IL with, I believe it was a leg injury. And then we saw this week, Sean Gunther, who the Tigers signed back in November, who had a cup of coffee with the Marlins back in 2021, coming back from surgery. He pitched a rehab. He pitched two innings this week. He pitched the opener yesterday. Rory Talalas on the seven-day IL. And in terms of numbers this week, Lakeland pitching actually was not that bad. It's just the last couple last couple weeks, their staff's been really bad. But on the hitting side of things, they had no home runs at all. There were no home runs. They only, they've only hit four in the last two weeks. And I know that the Florida State League is hard to it's a hard league to hit home runs, period. But there was nothing down in Bradenton whatsoever. And get back to what I was talking about the pitching. Pitching wise, a lot better. Trey Melton out there. It's just a matter of time. I, I could see him in West Michigan probably by the middle of June when they do. We were talking about the first half of the season gets over with, and Lakeland will be screwed. Cole Patton pitched. I think Cam Brown too, the Central Michigan grad pitched as well. And MX Nine in the YouTube chat. When you stink, they stop comparing you to people. Touche. <laughs> Can't argue that. Touche. But overall, yeah, Lakeland pitched a lot better this week, and. Stan asked a question about the typical week for a positional player and pitcher in the Florida Complex League. From what I... Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, it depends on if you're a domestic player or yeah. if you're an international player. And, and sometimes, so even the domestic they will take English language classes or some of the domestic guys will have a Spanish class. There, there's stuff going on down there that, that doesn't revolve around baseball every day. But yeah, for the most part, you're it's not a whole lot different than any other minor leaguer you've got your like your days where you're lifting weights you got your days where you're doing cardio you got your days where you're in the field doing drills i was gonna and say there's a lot of there's a lot of drills i was gonna say and they play they do play a lot of games that just aren't they don't keep box scores or whatever they'll play scrimmages against other complex league teams they'll play scrimmages against one another yeah it's 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 a lot a lot of instruction and a lot of getting in shape mentally and physically it. <laughs> and uh, that ball is getting Touch them all time for blood, right? Blood, thank you for the five dollars on chipping into our chat on our super chat this evening. Yeah, and one of the things I did pick up on when I was down in Lakeland, Chris, when you talk about the complex league guys, the so they have the when you walk in Lakeland, they have they have this fence, you see the fields and all these fields back there, like the backfields, and then because the main fields to the left, and then the backfields are on the right. There was probably three or four simulation games going on towards the end of when I was there, when the minor leaguers started coming to the camps. But a lot of times you'll see the roving instructors out there too. Artie Banger, who used to be the double A manager was now the, Greg told me this earlier and I'm drawing a blank. Out, out, outfield. Roving outfield. outfield yeah. Yeah. Roving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Instructors. And you know, it's funny. I think, I think it was Artie. Was it Artie? No, no, never mind. I was thinking of I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember the player. Or I was trying to remember the coach who noticed that I had a Lakeland or a London Tigers hat on. And oh, was that was that at the barbecue or was it the? No, I was I was waiting to talk to Wilmer Flores, and I was sitting there with my Lakeland or my 
my London hat, my London Tigers hat on. And all of a sudden this guy is like, he's they're walking by all the coaches and there's some players. And he says, Hey, is that a London flying t- or a London Tigers hat on or you hat? And I said, yes. And he's, oh, I played on that team. I'm like, what's his name? And I totally forgot. I think that might be him. Yeah. I, I want to say, would that, would that have been like 1990? Yeah. When they won, they, they won the Eastern league title, I think 92, 93, I want to say. Yeah. So maybe it was, maybe it was him. I don't think about it. I'll have to so, look that up real quick. But we did get a couple questions too online, Chris. Did you see those questions we got earlier? I missed them. Sorry, but I, I did want to mention it. Was it Stan who asked, or who was it asked about the the? Oh, stop it! Asked him in a percentage. Nineteen percent is actually pretty close. I think it's usually about twenty percent of guys on a, on a double A roster will make it big leagues at least for a cup of coffee. One out of every five doesn't mean yeah. They just sometimes it's six years later. Sometimes it's a guy who's already been in the big leagues is back, like Mark Leiter or something like that. But about 20% of the roster by the end of the year. By the way, you know what's uh, interesting? Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, no, sorry. You go no, no, you're, no, you're good. I was just, I was, I was looking at it. Look at the questions. I was talking, I was looking at the London Tigers roster from, it was the, it was 1990 that they won the championship in. And former Yankee Chris Chamberless was a manager. So it's just strange to see that because I never associated him with the Tigers whatsoever. Or He's the... The infamous walk-up home run where he's just bowling people over. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was nineteen it was the nineteen ninety it was the nineteen ninety London Tigers, and I'm look, trying to look up the roster right now. I and Baylor it, was on that team. Yeah, I think I, you know what I, it probably was him. If it was him, then I got then I have to ask Greg. Because I, I I remember I think we were this was something we were looking at when we one of our trips to Erie last year. We were looking at all the future big leaguers on. There were there, I, I, there were like twenty on that team. I thought, or was it an extra? Maybe it was a different team that he was, or like it was the twenty ten team. I don't know. They they had a, a team there at some point that had a lot of future big leaguers on it. So that ninety team. So it was already okay. So it was already then. Yeah, because he. Mm-hmm. So that team had. Wow, this is a list of whose name. <laughs> that, so this is the names of names, if you will. So this. Let me see if I can. I, I, I'm gonna share it because oh wow that's cool they have the you can also check out the the various tigers teams they had but the, yeah there's yeah i'll have to yeah i'll have to say something to greg next time i see him then because he pointed out my hat there okay yeah that, that's ken williams but i just wanted to show look at this cool logo the, the estonian tigers the original lakeland tigers the fayette generals glenn falls bristol all cracked out tigers that cracked out tiger look <laughs> But let me pull up that team here real quick, that 1990 team. So Artie was on that team. You had Rico Bronia. You had David Haas. Oh, I don't know. That's a name. That was a Tiger prospect everybody was talking about. Rusty Meacham. Kirk Knutson. Another Kirk name Knutson. I remember. Kirk Knutson. Yeah, there was, oh, Steve Pegasus, who never really amounted much, but there was some hype behind him, too. Yeah. So, anyways, who's who of like Tiger prospects that never did anything? I'm not trying to sound mean when I say that, but it's true. They, they didn't. But Rico Bronia, of course, more known to be a Philly than a Tiger, really. But I remember the hype behind him as well. So, that's your flashback from obscure. We maybe lost 10% of our audience on, the, on that <laughs> one. But, the, all right, Chris, we had the question. We did. So, somebody did ask us about Roberto Combos in the outfield. Did we have a question? Where was it? On Twitter. I'm looking. I don't see it. Oh, wait, there. I know you got touched on this 
some last week, but do you think Campos can take a center field defensively? And explain. Yes, it was. I, it, I, I think he'll play center field throughout the minor leagues. And, and if he makes, makes, uh, makes the majors, I think he may be able to fill in occasionally at center field, but I do think his best position is probably going to end up in right field. He's not, he's not a plus runner. That's the main thing. Like he, he's an average runner, home to first, and, and above average underway. And he's still in 19. I, I don't know how much bigger he's going to get. He's a big kid already, and a bit the big athletic fellow that's not like a, always going to add a ton of weight. But he probably will lose a step or half a step. I don't know. I, I don't project him to play ton of center field at the big league level. But David, that's a, that's a really good observation. That's that's exactly what happened yesterday. He, he jumped out a little bit and read that wrong completely. So that David, David, I like what David in YouTube said. Combo seems like he has good range, but he has a bad first read. And I think it's also it depends too because on center field sometimes he gets a better jump than I do. I've seen a better jump from him in center field than I do in the right, in right field. That's just me. Though. No, absolutely. And, and you see the same thing from Riley Green and from Parker Meadows. The angles are completely different in the corners. It's, it's a lot harder than people realized to go from playing center to go from play, to, to playing a corner. The guys who can do it seamlessly are, are really talented. And I think a lot of that is just reps. You, you learn the way the, the way the ball looks coming off the bat, the way it's going to spin, how it's going to react. But yeah, like earlier last week, I saw Parker Meadows misplay a couple balls in right field because he's not used to playing a ton of right field. I mean, he has throughout the minors. He's so used to playing center field. And we saw Riley Green in, in spring training. I think he played a little bit of left. It was like, uh-oh. Like, that yeah. doesn't look good. So it happens. But yeah, I, I think I still remain as the compost's defense overall. I, I never call him a butcher. I don't know who did that, but he's, I think, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a plus defender, but I think he'll be a fine defender. And his bat is, is just really impressive. Yeah, that was that Nick. Let's see. I'm trying to look at somebody had some fun with your. Did you see that? What T- Tyler Cool had some fun with your your Justice Big B. Justice oh, did the, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, named a whole bunch of different songs. That's uh, let's see. We got Deadly Ninja B said, given the state of the pitching prospect, how many pitchers should we make in the draft? They went pitching heavy per- late last year. After what was it? Once or like the ninth round came around. I yeah, it was pretty the much they went. Yeah, all pitching. Except definitely. for Dom Johnson. Yeah, Dom Johnson. But yeah, I would expect I don't know three of their first six picks to be pitchers at least. They we we didn't we didn't say it specifically, but the Lakeland roster this year is just bad. It's not not a lot of talent there, playing terribly well because there's not much there. And Bummer, does you? Those guys have to come up eventually, or they need to bring in all sorts of new players. But yeah. it's just been it's been unfortunate. I think Santana was playing really poorly, then got hurt. Peyton Graham has not done much. Luke Gold has not done much. And yeah, there's no some and of the there's guys nobody, hoping for. Yeah, there's nobody in the complex league that's going to come over and help out right now either. And that's why you and I were talking about when to go down to Lakeland. I'm not told that after the draft, which is what it's funny. The Sergio brings up looking forward to what the pick will be at three and by the way our draft coverage will probably kick up this week so expect some draft art like there's going to be a lot more draft coverage i'm actually i'm running up a mock draft for fan-sided and i'm going to do some stuff for for the site so i'm going to be helping out chris and and we're going to be merged in the draft and then by the time the draft comes the next day after the draft we're going to forget all about it because that's what happens to us every year and but david means also brings up another interesting point too about the west michigan outfield versus junior perez in Lansing, and he did like Perez on that first hit, that first ball uh, by Campos. Campos. Yeah, he yeah. tracked that. He had a really good eye on that, and he just even the timing of the jump on that was really well done. 
Yeah, and and he may just be more natural. He's he's the guy who only hits against West Michigan. Yeah, but, one for uh, forty-four was it one for forty-four against the Wheeler or something? Like that? something like he that. was like nine for twenty-seven against West Michigan with four home runs, and yeah, one for forty-two against everybody else. He was one of the most absurd splits I've ever seen. The reverse Isaac Pacheco, who has all four of his home runs against Lansing. Yeah, I think that's it for the questions. We had somebody else was there. They were having a discussion in on under a, a highlight from Justin Henry Malloy about you know, call him up, call him up, and he was. So real question, who was the last prospect at Frank had who had a high OPS all the way up the ladder, then improved at AAA? So remember Atlanta developed this kid until this year. They have a real solid, if not spectacular, tracker against slugging prospect. Hitting MLB ground running. Yeah, I don't know. I think Terry Carpenter actually had a better OPS in Toledo than he did in Uri last year, I think, briefly. I think Ryan Kreiler did, too, in 2021. But who are we looking at here? We're we looking at, at Langford? Yeah, a lot of people think he's going to go to number three to Detroit. And yeah, I I I really like Langford swing. I was listening to a, a podcast. It was interesting. I was listening to a D one baseball podcast on the way to West Michigan on Saturday. We drove separately uh, for I think maybe the first time ever. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it either. And we did it to save. T- I don't know why we did it, but it ended up you you got there before me, and I was like, oh, all right. But in any event. They were talking about Dylan Cruz. Dylan Cruz has been, he's, everybody's, he's, he's the one, one pick. Basically everybody says that crushing baseball, but they said that he's, he's got a ground ball rate north of 50% this year and an extremely high batting average on those ground balls, like way too high. Uh, whereas Langford, his ground ball rate is like 25%. He's, he's hitting almost everything in the air and hitting it hard and, and I like his swing more than Dylan Cruz. I, I don't know if I would take him first ahead of Cruz now, just because Cruz has been destroying the SEC. But it's not like Langford's not playing well. I think he has more home runs than Cruz. He's just not hitting 480. He's hitting 400. Tough break. Yeah, it's a great year to have a top three pick. It's uh, Paul Skeens. It looks like a generational pitcher, they're saying. He's doing stuff that they haven't really seen. This is Steven Strasburg-level stuff. But he's probably not going to be the first pick. He might go second. If he doesn't go second and it goes Cruz Langford, that's going to be where it gets really interesting. Do the Tigers feel secure taking a pitcher at all in the top three where they go Walker Jenkins, who I've, I've heard that they really like. Uh, and, and he's a guy that some people think he might go second overall. The high school outfielder from North Carolina who's got hitting power and they're saying he's playing a better center field this, this spring. Kind of reminds me of Riley Green. Yeah, it's a great year to have a top five pick. Yeah, and it, I'm glad the hype's kind of going away from Max Clark a little bit because I think Max Clark, Max Clark's going to be a good talent. I just think it's going to take, he's going to, if the Tigers, if Tiger fans want somebody right away, it's not Max Clark. I think Max Clark will eventually be effective, but I just don't think he's going to be, it's, in other words, I think Max Clark's going to be a fine leaguer, fine major leaguer, but it's just going to take some time versus somebody like, I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't really checked out Jenkins, but in terms of Wyatt Langford out in just his overall skill set, if the Tigers are somebody who's going to be really coming up pretty quickly, would be him. But yeah, you know, the what was it? The is it Paul? Paul is it, you said Paul Skeens, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's LSU. Does LSU saw that reputation, Chris, of overburden their pitchers? No, not necessarily. He's pitching. Most college programs don't do that anymore, where they pitch a guy like 130 pitches or whatever. They 
they've been giving them six, seven innings just about every start, as long as there's not weather. I don't think they're taxing him more than any other college program at this point. It used to be what Rice was the, the number one. They would Rice would just burn through every arm they had. The, there is a problem for LSU. LSU's got an, an elite offense, but they don't really have a great pitching staff this year. So they might they might have the the first and second picks in the draft, but they might not might not even get to Omaha, honestly, because pitching staff is a little bit iffy. So that'll be something interesting to follow. It, and it's one of the fun things about so there's basically two months till the draft. We got about one month left in college baseball. We're like the final week or two of the regular season, and then you've got tournaments, and then you've got Omaha. And this is when some guys just step up, right? This is when the Alex Fido time. Where in the past, though, you could you get drafted, and then they'd step up, and people go, oh, man, I wish we would have drafted that guy before. But now you can see it all. And so that's like Kate Horton last year from Oklahoma went off down the stretch, ended up getting, was he a top 10 pick? I think the Cubs took him ninth or 10th, I think. And so somebody's going to do that this year. Somebody's going to go off and, and jump up the board. Not, I don't think into the top five, but it'll, at least it'll be fun watching. And uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to be paying a lot more attention and writing more about it soon. Yeah. So draft show, by the way, will be, we'll, we'll be streaming the whole draft, the whole entire first round on the modern league website or on, a, on our YouTube page, Sunday, July 9th. So mark your calendars down. I've already done three posters about it. I'm actually going to do a commercial for it. Because I just, it's the sixth year we've done this. The sixth annual Tigers draft show. And we're going to be live from Chris's house this year. Back to where we're more familiar with. The big splash. So if there's a big splash pick that unexpected. I'll be jumping into a pool belly first. Because I'm a sadist apparently. But no, there's one guy that fits that description, by the way, that I can see happening. Is a Hurtson. Waldrip? Yeah. Exactly. He, he has got he's got absolutely diabolical stuff. It's a, does he? He's got a splitter. He's got two nasty breaking balls. He's got a fastball. It sits ninety seven up to one hundred, uh, but it's it's like a pure reliever delivery, and he's got a terrible ERA this year. It's like a five and a half ERA. It's uh, so what the hell's going on there? But he's a guy that that I could see a pro organization taking him, fixing him in three weeks or a month. And him getting to the big leagues almost immediately. Or he's a guy that maybe maybe he's the next. Who was the dude the White Sox took? Carson Fulmer? Carson Fulmer, yeah. Carson Fulmer, they, they took him, and he was ended up with the Tigers. He could just never throw enough strikes. So, that's yeah. Over it's, the it's, top. That's yeah. over the top. Like, you don't see that very often. It's it's filthy stuff. It's it's really nasty, but but not enough consistent strikes. And he get hit way too hard. One thing they were saying on that podcast is that he... He might just be way too predictable. Like he's throwing fastballs and fastball counts and breaking balls and breaking ball counts. And everybody just knows what's coming. Because he, yeah, he, he transferred from a smaller school, right? I think Southern Miss, I believe. Yeah. I think he and Chase Dollander with Southern Miss. Dollander is another guy who, he's, he was a guy who was talked about going in the top three at the very beginning of the year. And he got passed by schemes pretty quickly and he hasn't been terribly good. But let's say Tennessee goes on a run. And he's out there looking like he did last year. He's a guy who creeped back up in the top five because you know, people really liked him heading into this year. Yeah, this is a guy right here that they could tweak something and just go on a roll for Florida. So we'll see what happens. It's You're right, though. I always forget that, that aspect of the College World Series where you see some guys just that were kind of like eh, floating by and then all of a sudden come out of nowhere and become the next 
they, they get the draft push into the top 10, top five picks. But yeah, there's plenty of time. We're going to be, like I said, we're going to be hitting the draft pretty hard here in the next couple of weeks or so. So every show, actually, you know what? I've just declared that every show we're going to be talking about the draft, at least the t- last 10 minutes of the right. show. All right. You know what? I, I, I will start doing some articles. Maybe we do it position by position. Yes. Just to take a look at it, because that'll help us get the idea about some guys who the Tigers might take with their second and third pick, which are still top 50 picks. So, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. And this, again, this will be the first time that this draft will not be predictable. Like I said, this is a Mark Connor draft. So this is going to be a completely different draft profile. And what I'm going to like about this is that it's going to be guys that, for example, that fit almost, I don't want to say Cole Keith status because Cole Keith was, when the Tigers drafted Cole Keith, it was different than they, when they most, when they normally do. So that's why I said, because at, at the time it was, the Tigers have had a, a type, but this time there's not really a type that you can yeah. in with. So they rarely went after high upside high school players later, like after the first couple of rounds, they tried it in 20, 2007. What was the year they got Casey Crosby and Daniel Fields and, and, uh, but oh, and it was it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was it was that didn't work out. Two thousand nine. Uh, I want to say two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Right? No. It was one of those years, and then yeah. they went right back to taking college relievers. But yeah, I, I I think not to get too deep into it, but I I could see a situation where Langford is available and they go Walker Jenkins. People lose their mind. But I think that it could just be that they like his hit tool more, or they like his hit power combination more, or they they think they're the same and think he's got a better chance to play plus defense. We'll see. I, I, I'll be surprised. I, I We think there's a pretty clear top three, but time will tell. There's not going to be a situation. I think this time around, there's not going to be a situation where they're going to pick a high school pitcher out of I don't know, Oklahoma, yeah. out of nowhere or anything. And no. it's a... <laughs> there, are a, there are a couple. So Noble Meyer looks like a spectacular high school pitcher who may go top 10. Depending, you know, some teams just won't do it at all. Thomas White is a lefty who's throwing up to upper 90s with some good stuff. So those are options. I don't think they're going to go that route. But people people go, ah, oh, just take the guy who's going to get here quicker. You, you take Langford, and you, you just can't do that. You've got to take the guy who you like more. Because the, the, comp, the comparison I always make is is the Marlins took J.J. Bollet fourth. Tigers took Riley Green fifth. Who do you think's happier? The Marlins already traded Bladet for A.J. Puck, didn't they? Like He yeah. was supposed to be the advanced college bat, and he struggled. Riley Green shot through the minors, got to the big leagues before J.J. Bleday. You just got to take the guy you like more. Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, it, it it's going to be fun. I think this year is going to be a, a situation. Somebody mentioned Joe Hunter, maybe another Henry Davis situation. So there's another thing we can we can get into briefly. This is, they've expanded the bonus pools. So Pittsburgh's slot for the first overall pick, I think, is $9.7 million. I think the largest bonus ever is still Torkelson at 8.4, or at least the largest bonus in the slot era. So if Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh took Henry Davis, they liked him, but they wanted to, they were able to get like a $4 million or $3.5 million haircut. Like something like they saved a ton of money and that allowed them to go get, what was it, Bubba Chandler, Anthony Solomedo, and, and Lonnie Hughes Jr. or somebody, I forgot his name, but some, some higher upside guys, they, they really spread it out. A lot of people don't think they should mess around with Dylan Cruz this year and do that now. But, but like I said, I, I don't think they'll have to spend all of their top pick on Dylan Cruz. They can get him the largest bonus ever, at least the, uh, the modern era, and still save like 100, 
or, or a million to $500,000 to use on other guys. So I, I don't think they're going to mess around too much. The one situation I could see is if they have Cruz and Langford, basically similar, to take whoever takes less money. But I, I really think they're just going to go Cruz. It, it's part of what makes it in, intriguing. By the way, Henry Davis is a, is a red ass. <laughs> watch him in Erie. Watching him in Erie, just it's like he is about a gamer like this guy i think he doesn't wear batting gloves a i, I don't think he wore batting gloves and b he hit a mile he hit the ball yeah. really hard he's he was he impressed me when i was out when we saw him out there he's he's got like spencer strider legs too it's he's like his yeah. muscles are busting through his pants he's a yeah. he's a muscular dude and he's tearing he up double a right now yeah he's he looks like a halfback out there i'm dead serious yeah. like he's he's like just yeah oh. it's like saquon barkley legs yeah, Dumb. yeah, that, that's a good way to yeah, put it there. But at any rate, thank you so much for listening to the Minor League Report podcast. So tomorrow in the morning, sometime before 11, I almost got the recap almost done. You'll find the latest recap. We're going to have a StatCast article behind our Patreon. So it's Patreon forward slash Minor Report if you want access to it. I'm also going to do something like, so we're finishing up the scouting reports for the, our updated top 25. I'm going to, I think for the scouting reports, we're going to open those up so everybody can take a look at those. So that will be probably unlocked tomorrow. I was trying to put them on the Patreon. Well, like I said, we're going to put some more different stuff on the Patreon. And also, Jerry's going to have another article this week coming out. So Jerry's been, shout out to Jerry, by the way. Jerry's just, we got we to gotta have him back on the podcast soon. He, it's not that I don't forget to ask, but I think he's just, I always think he's busy on Mother's Day today. He's got a wife and kids and all that stuff. So I got to. Yeah, but uh, yeah, go to our website, TigerMLReport.com for the recap and our podcast. We appreciate everybody checking us out tonight. We'll be back next Sunday, same bat time, same bat channel at 9 o'clock. And Motor City Metrics will be, we'll be back on Thursday to recap the Pirate Series. And if there's anything that happens tomorrow, the Tigers have an off day tomorrow. And I guarantee you there will be some sort of movement. To what extent, I don't know. But I'll be down there for the series. And, and Chris, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, baseball. It's fun. It's oh, I want to apologize. I want to apologize oh, to Stan. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I want to apologize. Yeah. To, I don't do that. I want to apologize to Stan too. I was gonna show up, like I said, just some circumstances beyond my control were there, but I will be down at the ballpark a little more. So I apologize. I wanted to meet up with Stan really bad too, because I always like meeting with people, talking baseball and talking shop. Met, you know, it's funny. Nick met Nick Splain opening day, and that was we had a beer together. It was funny. He's like, "You want a beer?" It was like, the so right. cold almost like that's <laughs> bad yeah the one time we had on the podcast and both of us missed it right yeah so felt bad. Yeah. Uh, i'm checking okay so tuesday's game for the white caps is at 11 a.m that might be interesting yeah i'm looking i was just thinking this thursday the tigers don't play but they play at six maybe thursday but then we have a show i don't know we'll figure it out we'll, we'll figure it out until then have a good week everybody thanks everyone